I have elected to go for quality over everything else and I've turned off the fan in the room because I didn't want it to sound like I was coming to you live from an Apache helicopter. <laughs> you are listening to The Learning Factory. Please do not resist. Welcome back to The Learning Factory Podcast, episode two. Um, the sound quality is about to go through the roof because I have gone to the roof. I am sitting in my wardrobe, the glamour of showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting in my wardrobe because there's every single stitch of clothes in here is going to muffle the sound somewhat. Uh, <laughs> in the last podcast, I think we, we talked about A and B and we got right into it, didn't we? We did. And I even you know, confidently announced that we talk about B and C in the next episode, which was a complete brain fart. Um, yeah, so we're talking about C and D. The fun one and the unfun one. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. Yeah. D is just, D is the worst. If you're a kid, you must hate D. And I think if you're a teacher, you hate D4. Oh, I think everyone hates D4. I think D4 was just like, we need a nice, we need 16, 16 parts to this puzzle. Uh Shit, we're all out of good ideas. What's the last one going to be? Let's make it global uh, thinking. Yeah. Well, should we go sequentially again? Because that kind of worked. We're kind of focusing this on kind of people who are new to the whole thing. So we probably should stick to the, the sequence, shouldn't we? Yeah. And are we still referring to, are we still trying or you know, <laughs> the idea is that we're talking about the how we're applying the podcast to the design cycle. Yeah, I think that's the first couple of episodes. That's the goal today, I think. Yeah. But we did say actually uh, at the end of the last episode, we would give some some insight into what we're doing as design teachers these days. So how would you suggest we approach that? I would say we could give a, an overview. What's the unit you're doing at the moment? That's the most that's the most crack, the most fun where you are. Design to scale Ooh. is actually uh, a bit of fun. Um, it's probably not the best one to talk about because we don't do it sequentially. So it's a, an asequential <laughs> unit. So give, give us the but it does give us the pitch. It does probably it, it it makes sense because considering we're talking about C now and C is where we start for that unit, so it, it does fit a little bit. Okay, so tell us all about design to scale. Well, as any good teacher does. I can't remember the key related and global context off the top of my head, let alone the statement of inquiry, but haven't, haven't done a stage one of a unit planner in, in, in months. I can, I can look that up for you if required. You're working in a big school with, with like different disciplines of design, not just design. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got food materials and um, digital. Okay. And you can look at it from a, scale as like scaling up mass production type thing or scale where you're working to scale scale models correct Mm. so the foodies they tend to go a bit sort of mass production you know working at um range of what's it called you know error the biscuit has to be within five grams. Oh, yeah. Thing. Um, margin of error. Margin of error. There you go. We'll go with that. Um, Technical terms are belong to diploma. They don't. Nobody cares about an MOP. Exactly. Um, and in materials, we we're going a bit more scale models, uh, scale prototypes. But um, 
this year we're changing up a little bit where the product is one-to-one um, because we're building dollhouses and the challenge, like this, the scale part comes in for the accessorizing that happens to the dollhouse that the kids are, that the kids are creating. Accessorizing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tables, chairs, um, basketball courts, like some kids are going all out. Oh, They've got swimming like, pools. Yeah. Home theater systems. And yeah. Uh, I'm in a similar position. I'm doing like a, it's, it's modeling as well. It's scale, but it's architecture. So I think it's what that unit used to be, um, but I've changed it. I'm doing a unit called Culture with some uh, MYP fours, grade nines, and we're doing uh, we're basically communicating an aspect of a culture through architecture. So in my situation, I've got a lot of ambassadors and embassy staff kids, so they've got real cool examples of like embassies around the city where they can. They can see how a different country communicates culture. So they're trying to redesign those embassies or houses or restaurants to do with national cultures. And then we've got a few which have gone a bit uh, sideways and they're doing what I would call like countercultures or subcultures. So like coffee shop culture, tattoo yeah, culture. Skate. Yeah. Yeah, skate culture. So that's quite a cool unit. It lets the kids be creative. And you get the models are super easy. So I think going back to what we were saying last week, last time, for the purposes of not knowing how frequently this will be listened to. Um, mm. <laughs> the idea that if you don't have a lot of stuff, you can still make pretty cool stuff. Like you can make a model dollhouse using bits and bobs pretty much in any classroom and same with yeah. architectural models. And you can, and that's that's the way we've gone with it. Uh, this time, obviously we start at C1, uh, not even C1. We don't worry about a plan. We uh, just jump straight in and build it. Um, sounding strikingly familiar skills. to everything I do. Yeah, and uh, which works well. This to go through, and then they've been able to work out what they don't know. Hopefully, then towards the end of the unit, when we swing back around to see, they then have a much more detailed plan, and they can create the the dollhouse goes from prototype into a, an actual product that they can send down to early years. Connecting across the school. Oh, the IB must love this. Exactly. Authentic clients being the earliest staff and authentic target audience being the early years. Um, Ticking boxes left, right and center there with that one. They are. And they got some great user user testing when they took the prototypes down there. Did they get um, ripped apart by the little ones? They didn't. They Ooh. didn't yet. Um some groups were a little more hesitant to allow some full-on user testing, but they got some great feedback from the kids um, and insight, basically, things that they hadn't thought about that they have to go back and, and add now. Um, things like that the the swimming pool should have the furniture in it and the walls in the house need to be covered in dinosaurs. Okay. All right. Like, what's the scale of the dinosaurs would be my question there, but Okay. I well, I would just like it's wallpaper, size. right? Dinosaur wallpaper. Dinosaur wallpaper. Well, you gotta ask the you gotta give the people what they want. Give the clients what they want. That's it. It's like the old designers, like when you, you bring your you bring your thing to them and like, just make it pop more. You're like, Yeah, what does that actually mean? Yeah. What do you actually want? I want yeah. dinosaur wallpaper. Yeah. That's why early years are the best clients. They want dinosaur wallpaper and furniture in the zoom pool. And they're honest and they say it how it is. Yeah, this is shit. Well, they don't say shit because they're four, but 
Yeah. They 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 speak by they're not playing with it. <laughs> Vote with their feet. Uh, yeah, that's it. But, so exactly the opposite to what you're doing. We we will we should really start with C one, shouldn't we? we and will. we should we should make a plan. So logical. <clears throat> logical. Now in, in terms of our podcasting, odd rattle in the background there. Uh in terms of our, our podcast, that, that is the New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> relying on an ice cube. Essential planning tools here. <laughs> Wonder could I ring room service to the wardrobe? Uh, As we said in episode one, Dave, it's a oh, it's a real world podcast. And after a hard day's teaching design, you need to be refreshed thoroughly. Exactly. Coping strategies. Coping strategies for uncertain times. Uh, right. So. We, did we make a plan for this podcast? I think we did. We had a we had an Excel sheet, didn't we? Like all plan, you there's going to be elements of that plan that you know we're we're going to go off that plan a little bit, but we're going to improvise as we go because we're going to adapt the design and the product to what we think it best fits. And that's where later on when we're talking about the changes, as long as we're justifying those and explaining why we changed it, um, then that's all. It's all hunky dory, yeah. I, I, have a, I have a lot of students that always come to me and they go, oh, I changed this. Do I need to go back now and change my ideas in criteria B? And they, it's it's a it's a bit of a bone of contention. They're like, but I've changed the idea completely. I was like, no, no, no. They've actually, they've thought about this. The guys in in, in the IB have thought about this. Like, There's space for change here as you go through the creation stage, which is quite cool. Yeah, that's right. The And and that's what I tell There's there's nothing wrong with changing something as long as you're saying why you change it. Now it might be that created this awesome plan for this podcast. We had some great ideas and we had to change it because we realized we actually don't have the skill level to create something that good. So the podcast had to change a little bit, but that's fine because we've justified it and we've still, we're still trying to hit the the specs that we came up with and, and we're still trying to operate to the plan as best we can. Yeah, and the I suppose the key elements we need to remember are your plan's got to have elements of timing, your resources, and your steps. So, like, what are the major yeah. checkpoints for the project as you go through it? How long is it going to take to achieve those checkpoints or those steps, instructions, whatever you want to call them? And then what sort of resources you need to create them? Yeah, and you don't want to have too many assumptions in it, like assuming that, someone has the knowledge in 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 that area or or what you're doing what you're trying to achieve where you you can gloss over steps like information that's not there because you know how to do something so you're just you using your your prior knowledge to work that so try and tell the kids you know you you don't have to make the plan for a for a three-year-old to follow but you need to make it for someone that may not have any knowledge in what you're trying to do with your your planning drawings that you've got from B4 and your plan that you've come up with in C1, they can come up with a pretty good resemblance of what it is that you're trying to create. Yeah, so they can they can walk away with those two those two documents, your plan and your drawing, and they can go and create what you want without having to ask you too many questions. Yeah, yeah. Think of it, think of it as the uh, you know the timeline. The, the instruction booklet and the timeline. Like a Lego Lego booklet or something, but with some times. I, I was just trying to think, does 
you know, when you buy something from Ikea and you get the instruction book and then you, well, the first thing you do is you throw the instruction book out the window and then you struggle with it for about 20 minutes and then you come back and you actually have to look at the instruction book regrettably and go, fuck, I'm going to have to look at this. But does it have timings on it? I, th- I think- And you get your laptop out and you have to download <laughs> the instructions. Yeah. And um, I-, I can't remember. Dude, I think they have on like the front page, they have how long roughly it's going to take. I think it is. I think that's more the age, the age it's, I think that's for the age it's for. Like when it says two to three years, that is the timing, Dave. That's more for the age of, of who it's for. I can't remember when I, when I discovered this, but I realized that um, when you open up an Ikea box, everything in the box, you told me this, was it? Everything in the box is in the right order. Yeah, it definitely says how many people you need. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with putting too much detail in there. You can put more detail in there first and then remove it when you realize, okay, that maybe, maybe that's a bit over the top. Mm. Better to have that in there, those simple steps. And it's, it's just sort of putting it down in, in dot points at first as well. It's often easy as going through and pretending that you're doing it if you if you struggle with that forethought. Think about pretending that you're doing it and then writing those steps down as you go. But if you think, okay, yes, pick up screwdriver, put screwdriver in right Oh, that hand, winds me off when they do that. Screw yeah. in left hand. You're allowed a, a certain amount of assumptions like – screwdriver right okay the person knows how to use that yeah yeah i think that's that's what people get stuck up on it isn't it because when you come to like we'll talk about assessment later on a necessary a necessary evil that it is but when you come to like how detailed does this plan have to be well that's sort of how you grade it isn't it Um, if they've got a basic plan that's a certain band if they've got the super detailed plan and with logic and uh, efficient time and resources then you're talking about that upper level stuff but yeah and it's like when we when we did this podcast we knew the plan didn't have to be so detailed because of the type of product it was but we did go down and we you know we had a bit of a a running list with topics and um sort of steps that were going and a bit of an indication like a loose indication of of time for each one yeah um we didn't go to the detail of writing out a script because we would have just completely ignored it, what it was as well. Yeah. And if you look back to our B1, one of the specifications was we wanted it to be like a conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you've ever not wondered what it's like to have a beer with us, it's this much of a shit show. We're actually trying to be super professional here. So we've got a plan. I think one of the most important things as well, before you move on from the plan is to say like, okay, have you reached sort of a baseline have all your students got something where they can now move on because the worst thing in the world I know from doing practical classes is where you've got one or two kids sitting in the corner because they haven't planned out what they're going to do they are sort of like almost being punished in the corner because they have to finish their plan before they get to do the practical work or do you let them carry on with no plan yeah it's a it's a tough one isn't it because and I I guess that's where it comes it it comes down to your judgment and how you uh, interpret the criteria you know you can jump in and help them come up with a bit of a plan so they can get started that's a, a, a lower band then because you've got a bit of teacher assistance happening mm. for the sake of learning make it or you know start and then when they get a bit of an idea of what it is they're actually doing and how they've done it and what they've had to use they can start to think of oh okay so this is what i need to write for these these steps and then they can go back and start to do it. Now, as a teacher, you can take all that into account when you're, when you're going through and coming to your best fit because you, you've observed that. So you can see that this kid's able to, able to do it 
maybe they just needed that bit of hands-on first. They, they didn't have mm. that forethought of how to do it. But you can see that um, where that comes and maybe bites you in the, in the bum a bit is if, if you're a teacher that sort of lives behind your laptop, you know. It's easy not to do that in a, in a materials class or a food class. Um, but, you know, sometimes if kids are all working in digital and, and on stuff, it, it's not to say that you're just sitting there on Facebook or, or listening to an episode of the Learning Factory podcast, <laughs> but, you know, you might be doing a bit of... Um, the cheeky marking. Cheeky marking or actually doing, get on something, trying something out for a kid who's asked you, hey, how does this yeah, work? Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, I don't know. I better get on and have a go at it myself. The more you can be moving around and, and, and watching and... Sometimes you see things that the, the kids are doing that you didn't realise that they could do or you hadn't seen that before. And it's like, oh, jeez, yeah, I didn't think Billy could do that. Um, but, jeez, he's got some – he's got this natural ability to, to write code or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and as well as that, it just makes, it makes your life easier down the road if you just get up, get up and around because you have an idea in your head before anybody hands anything in for an assessment of what they're going to get. Because you've seen the level of effort put in, yeah. you've seen the level of skill that they've shown, and oftentimes you can actually give them a better grade based on your observations than they probably have shown themselves through their documentation. Which, in a surprisingly yeah, good segue, brings us to the next section. I was just going to say, and it, it makes it very easy to remove that doubt. You know, if you if a kid hands something and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if you did this yourself. If you've been watching them go through it, then it's it's quite easy to make that judgment. Yeah, that's and that's a huge issue as well. I think academic honesty and design is it's so hard. You can't put a you can't put a chair through turn it in. I've tried. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, but you you can't even put code yeah. through turn it in. I don't think it, I don't think they've gotten to that stage yet, have they? And I don't even think there's such a thing as code that hasn't been copied from the internet. Exactly. And the kid asked that asked me that the other day. He goes, Can I use if, if I've got this bit of code that's about, you know, you click this button and it goes to this page, I didn't write that bit of code. I said, well, what's the point of you trying to work it out again if it's already there? It's not like you're opening the entire someone's website. You you found some, we do it all the time as teachers. We never reinvent the wheel. No, no it's like. We're the worst plagiarists. Oh, yeah. You, you take you take your best student's work from last year and you show it to the to the next year and you go, here's here's the yeah. example and they're like oh did you do this no i didn't because why <laughs> this is awesome use this but i think yeah it's uh, we, we could definitely talk about academic honesty if we if we ever wanted to get into the murky realms of of assessment we can do that but uh in terms of like skill here's the killer like showing skills what not necessarily what defines your excellent or your adequate or your your good skills in section c2 i think that's something we said every school and every teacher has to define for themselves based on their own circumstances but how do you show those skills it's not necessarily the the skills that you're showing on a on a digital recording like this aren't necessarily when you're sitting here like this now um just talking about it a lot more of the technical comes into the editing aspect of it although we're using some equipment, right, to, to assist with a, a higher quality mm. of product, which is, a, I guess, it can be a bit of a, a, a skill. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, it's essentially for me, 
I'm not a I'm not a digital audio visual expert. So I've had to learn how to edit, how to record audio. What's the setup like? I've got a mixer to my left. I've got a pop shield in front of the microphone here. I didn't even know what a pop shield was six weeks ago. Um, so, and then I'm rocking it through. What's the best program to use? Somebody's on a Mac, somebody's on a PC. Am I using GarageBand? Am I using this? Do I pay for software? Is it worth it? So there's loads of research done there that has to be, that that's skills that I've learned. Whether I'm doing them to really, really high levels, I've still learned loads of different stuff. And how do I then best show that off? What's the the effect those different skills have on the product? So is is the the quality of this podcast evidence of my skills or is the fact that I've gone out and learned 10 different things evidence of skills? I don't know. That's a that's a debate I think you have to have a chat with your different departments. And that's it and it's about the skills and this is where we we mentioned a little bit last time as well when kids are coming up with designs allowing them to have to think about how they would go about making those designs to ensure that they are designing something that would allow them to include high technical skills. And that that's something that I guess that took me a little bit to, to think about too, because sometimes, you know, you're flying by the seat of your pants. Um, you're not really thinking about that at the time, but as you go through, then you know, the kids come up with a design, they make it and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you didn't really show any technical skills. And they're like, oh, good design. And that's what I, and you were got saying, a quality oh, that's, really, design, cool. that's yeah. really cool. And so that's where you need to sort of be thinking about that as well. So I guess having, having some form of, let's go all PYP and say classroom display, <laughs> um, but just something out there that kids can sort of see, not a catalog or anything, but have an idea about, you know, what skills fit into what category just so that they've got an idea when they're going through that design stage to be thinking about what what it is they can be using. Yeah, I've definitely got, I'm having that issue at the moment, like a million other people around the world uh, with how do we how do we do skills at home as well. But I've even, even yeah. if you're in a classroom, I've got a student who wants to make, they've got to make toys, that's the project. They've got to make some sort of toy for a specific user. So she's chosen to do dog toys. And so that can be as complicated as you want, yep. but her final design is sort of a chew toy. So it's it's basically just tied together bits of twine and rope. And I'm like, it's going to be a really good toy that you can test effectively that took a bit of research for sizes and all that. But what are you doing at the end of the day? You're actually just tying bits of string together. I'm going to have to give you a lower, a lower yeah. mark. So we've had to sit down and go, how do we make this more complicated? And the answer wasn't actually change the thing. The answer was, let's make more products of different types using different skills rather than changing this really good idea. Let's make that as our first thing. And then let's make a range of other products to go along with it. So, but that was a really tough conversation. Like she's like, this is an awesome thing. I'm like, it is. And it's going to be really good for the user. It is, but yeah. Yeah. And that's where the other argument then comes. Well, what's the definition of a technical skill? If, if it's doing something that achieves the, the product to a high level, then is that a high skill? Yeah. We'll save that for an, an another drink on and another conversation on another. People day. did not come here for high level intellectual debates. No, or, no, they happen in on other channels in other podcasts. 
with more listeners. Uh, right. We're now in the middle of this project where we're making, we're actually making the podcast. We're, we're right in the middle of it. I think for me, this is where it all, it all breaks up. It all goes a bit to custard in terms of following C1, C2, C3 and C4, because it's all happening at once. And for students anyway, yep. documentation goes straight out the window and they forget completely yep. they even have a design folder. They're just making stuff, which is good. That's where um, it can be handy sometimes just walk around taking photos here and there of kids doing stuff that they can get off you later. Because as much as I want the kids to be documenting what they're showing and, and not reenacting it later mm-hmm. on, you know, I don't, don't want to break that that buzz and that concentration they got. So just taking a few photos of kids doing stuff and then allowing them to, to get that off you later on yeah, can work well. And it's a more authentic photo too. It is. There's nothing, there's nothing technically wrong with a reenactment photo later, is there? But what you often see is you get one student who's gone along and taken a lot of photos or reenacted a lot of skills and you see their, their photos again and again and again because somebody else has done the same skill and they don't want to go to the trouble of taking the photograph at the time so that's a great suggestion just taking your own photos as a as a teacher or videos or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. or for digital which we seem to neglect to touch just screen screen grabbing stuff yeah and allowing the having a way that the kids can present their work that doesn't just rely on you know on on written work or or you know adding in images a real multimedia approach dear diary today i made a podcast i spent 53 minutes 42 seconds recording it on this microphone and then edited it for four hours using garage band and other i'm bored i'm 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 not reading that even as a teacher i'm like yeah this criteria strand then just it depends on and it links directly into uh c1 because you've got your plan with all its steps and I think C3 is where you're just evidencing you did the steps, isn't it? Yeah, how you got to that final product. And and obviously C2, you know, when you, you're showing technical skills and, and stuff, often that covering that as well, mm. I guess. You can get kids to to document it a little bit differently, you know, where they're, you've got a few photos of you know, different parts of a, a chair or you know a dollhouse coming together but then their technical skills are more focused on okay um creating a mortise and tenon and the skills of using the chisel and stuff and you know doing it all by hand would be higher than skill than using the um like a, a bandsaw and the mortising machine yeah still a skill like it's still it's still higher than screw and glue yeah it should be banned everywhere you're not building, we're not building houses, people. <laughs> uh, yeah, but even even just even the safety skills that they learn working with tools, modeling, you get grade sevens that can't use a glue gun. So the ability to effectively join two pieces of material for some people might be a, quite a high level skill. That's it, and this is what's important when you're making your catalog of skills. Think about your what you've got. There's no point saying wood joints are a high skill if you're doing a materials class and you've only got cardboard. Yeah. Be specific. That's where your task-specific clarification comes in, isn't it? And that's when you get into C4 where you're talking about the changes. Now, changes, we've we've made lots of changes already to this project. The first two episodes are a testament to that where we decided to go down this approach of applying the design cycle to the podcast sort of about a minute into the first episode. 
so that's where we would come back and we'd talk about the change and we justified as that we felt the best way to sort of introduce each of those strands is to apply it to something that people can see the product. Yeah. So that would be a change and we've justified why we've done that. So when a kid says, yeah, nah, didn't do any changes, mate. And that's where you say, well, that's fucking bullshit, mate. We wouldn't say it like that. Yeah. But there's not a not a not a product in the world where someone sat down there with their first plan and said, "Yeah, this is how I'm going to do it," and then fucking whooshka, that's what turned out, and they didn't have to make one yeah. change. This is the drawing you had six weeks ago. This looks fucking nothing like what you just made. So don't bullshit me, kid. There was changes made. Let's just put it out there: we don't actually speak to our kids like that. Yeah, yeah, no, we it's it's that internal monologue as you're going through the classroom. It's just constantly repeating yourself. What the fuck? What have you done there? Mm. Yeah. Um, no, we, we, we do this for the love of the students. Well, it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, I forget. It's like finished is better than perfect. Gingerly sit on the chair that they've just made while holding your weight up with other, other things. Or they, or they <laughs> offer, you, offer you a cupcake yes. they made in food design class. And you're like, oh, yeah. I'll, do you know what? I'll save that for lunch. I'll have that with my cup of tea at lunchtime. And it doesn't even make it out of the room because it's yes. glowing. It's going to poison you. So yeah, C4, definitely changes for everything. Everything has changes. I've never met a product that, that didn't have changes, like you say. It's really hard for students to get their heads screwed on to do this criteria strand because it always drags on. Making always drags on. They always want to do more. They always want to fix some problem. We have the unenviable task of bringing yeah. them to the end of criteria C and worse again, telling them that we're not making stuff next week. We're doing criteria D. Yeah, and that's where once you get through it, you can start to say, okay, let's test it. Let's identify the improvements. If we get smashed through that, then we can always come back and implement those improvements on the product. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's there's a couple of different ways of doing it. I think the probably the most common way is is what screws a lot of people, where they, they give kids the extra two weeks or extra week during the criteria C phase and then end up rushing at the end of the semester or the end of the term or whatever it is and then they don't have the time to go back and fix it so the students end up with a broken or unfinished product whereas they could have gone back and finished it yeah if they would have just almost rushed through the yeah earlier but it's really hard to justify that and that's what i tell the kids you know let's you're better off doing something quickly where you know it's not perfect and being able to test it Mm. because then you you can change it then like try and get as many iterations as you can rather than just try and be a bit of a perfectionist and have it have it as as best you can trying to do it three or four times where you're rolling through c and d bang 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 to improve it because you're constantly getting different data in your testing methods and and different improvements each time and you you're then talking about those and how it changes when you went back to your product to then go back again it it, it begins to reflect design industry a lot more than just saying, oh, yes, we're just going through this once. Yeah, you, like you're going to have multiple versions, iterations of a product before it ever gets actually made for real. So trying to get that idea of prototyping yeah. across. It's difficult when students want something cool to take home at the end of the day, though. We, we've, we've got our podcast. Um, obviously, this is episode two. So we've got episode one that's out there on the, uh, the interwebs, the worldwide yeah. web. Well, rule, rule number one of media is, testing is it never read below the line never read below the comment line if you've created anything yeah but in order for us to test we're going to have to do that and that's right so for for our d1 we would be talking about our testing methods where identified some specific 
I guess, users that we will get to listen to the to the podcast to get some feedback. Um, not necessarily about the content, but just the flow of it, the the audio quality, all that type of stuff, because they don't need to be design teachers yeah. and such. Um, probably send it off to some design teachers that, that we've worked with in the past, give them a listen, um, get some feedback on, you know, have, have we overlooked some things or where we've just presumed some stuff. Mm. And then obviously the, the continual um, testing that we're doing every time we're uploading one with those comments that yeah. are basically telling us just to concentrate on teaching. And don't quit. And yeah. Not don't quit the day job lads. Cheers. And that's probably the nicest comment you're ever going to get on the internet, yeah. isn't it? But I reckon, yeah, you've got, yeah. you've got, if you want to give those the correct terminology, you've got like your expert appraisal from two different groups of experts there. You've got your authentic testing. It's real, like out in the real world stuff. Use it. Use User it, yeah. testing. And these, this is all for a, for the target. Yeah, this is all for a digital product as well, which is even sometimes more difficult to test. I think if you've got a physical product in front of you, yeah. like we did a, a, we did a cool lesson. I think one time where we, we just ended up breaking stuff, didn't we? For, yes. What was that? Little plastic toys or something? Uh, I forget what they were making. Yeah. Anyway, they were dropping stuff and throwing stuff across the room and it was authentic testing. Destruction testing, that was it. There was a lot of broken plastic on the ground, if I remember. Yeah, so see, uh, D1, that's where you, you, you don't need the data for, for, for D1. That's where you're talking about how you're going to gather the data. And basically, D1 and D2 is you, you're gathering the data to write D3 and D4, similar in Criterion A, where A2, A3 is where you, you're gathering your knowledge and, and your research to write A4. D2 is where you're, you're looking back at your specifications and so the testing that you're doing through your various user groups, you're testing against those specifications. Did you meet those specifications? Yes, no, why? Yeah, um, ticking them off. To, to help determine the success of the product against the specification. It's very important, I suppose, going all the way back to be one that you have some good sort of usable and measurable points there, or else it just becomes subjective. Oh, my friends thought it was cool. Well, that's not a lot of good to us. That's not very usable data, is it? Yeah. And then performing the tests yeah. and gathering all that data. It, take, it can take time. I think people drag it out maybe a touch. Like if we're testing this podcast, we're testing it to quite a wide audience, but the feedback could be quite instant. And judge the quality of your feedback too. Like if it's about the content, what we're getting from the 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 target audience is going to be more valuable than what we get from our, our colleagues mm. who have maybe listened to it to just to give us a, some quick feedback. They might be sometimes more critical. Unintentionally. Yeah. Or or don't want to don't want to yeah. hurt our feelings. So yeah, telling the students not. Not to yeah. ask their mates. Or they're just fucking jealous that they didn't think of the cool idea. Yeah. Or they're quite relieved that they're not the idiots looking like absolute fools every time they jump behind a microphone. I, I, this is my life now. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I am a radio. <laughs> I'm no longer a design teacher. I'm a radio host. That's how you can, you can take all that data um, that you've got to where you can come up with the improvements that have been suggested. And they may be improvements that you've identified yourself through testing against the specifications or some of your own tests, but more often than not, they come from the, um, the users testing the product. Yeah. The nice thing I think about this one as well is that 
you don't actually have to, in some ways, you don't need to know how to do the improvements. You just need to say that this is, this is how the product could be improved. So if you're working with a digital yeah. product, you can say, yeah. and oh, this, this needs to do this. I don't know how to do that. I would need to go and learn something else to learn how to do that. But this is what it needs to do to be better. Yeah, it's a, it's just it's justifying, you know, why a little bit why you didn't do that in the first mm. place. And it, well, I didn't know is is a justification as to why you didn't yeah, do it. I didn't know how D four for us like the impact that the product has. That also comes down to the uh, to to comments and and things that are left. You know, yeah. how how many people we're seeing are listening to the podcast all that sort yeah. of stuff that allows us then to determine the impact that the podcast has had yeah so like for us now with with up to up to this point because this we're getting we're about to hit into the the most difficult to explain one so essentially in the podcast even so far without looking at the comments online without going outside of observational testing i have looked at and listen to the first draft of the episode one. And the data I got back was my audio sounded like absolute crap. I sounded like I was in a church. And so improvements, I'm now sitting in a wardrobe surrounded by soft clothes and sweating profusely in 30 degree heat. And that's the improvement to the sound quality. That's how it would be improved. But I don't know if I've actually done it properly until I test the next one. So there's sort of an ongoing process there. Has this been effective? Who knows? Yes. If people are talking and saying this podcast, oh, this really helped me understand MYP design and, and how to make design fun and move away from writing 30 page reports on and massive long design briefs and everything. If we can do that, then yes, it's it's had a, a positive impact. And if they say they're even more confused by the whole thing and and we've just wasted an hour of their lives. That's still an impact, but it's a negative one. And we would say, it, it exactly. Maybe relook at the specifications, relook at the way you know how we're doing it, the the design of it. Do we move more to a formalized podcast, or do we concede defeat and send them over to some of the other go back, go back into podcasts that are yeah, out go there. back into anonymity and hide and pretend this never happened, like that band I was in in university. Yes, which never happened. So that's that's a bit of a look at at the design cycle for this podcast. Obviously, as we go forward in each episode, we'll we'll tend more just to focus on specific things and not necessarily just you know, strands yeah. of the of the criteria. All sorts of different things, and I guess, and that's where the the feedback that we're getting from from people who are listening mm. um, with questions or, or comments or suggestions as to, Hey, we'd like to, you know, what would you do in this situation or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We can, it can as it grows, it can be a bit more. We've actually, we've actually got some, some feedback already. So uh, I, I believe we've got a question from a listener. I was as shocked as you were. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought he was trolling us first, but um, this is from, Brian Bufkin, C criteria rewards the risk averse by encouraging kids to only use tools they can master easily, design products they know they can build, and make plans they are sure will succeed. Failing well is not built into the current structure of B4 to C4. Is Brian making a statement or is he asking a question there? Well, I don't know. He hasn't. I'm not sure if he's put a question there because there's no 
question mark. Right. Um, Thanks, Brian. Well, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Brian's statement? <laughs> statement, yeah. Statement of intent. Uh, you know, he's not wrong. He's, it's an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. But I think you said last week as well, you said, we're not inventors, we're designers. So you're talking about incremental change. You're talking about doing things slightly better each time. So like, I, I don't think I've ever had a, a truly new product in my class. I've had some cool sort of innovative ones which have tried to do things in different ways, but I've never had an invention, like a brand new product. So I think most students are, are heading in that direction automatically. It, it, it could be seen as a limiting thing. Yeah, but I think like if when just going back to us before when we were talking about during Criterion C and talking about C4 and, and changes you had to make where we were, we were talking about it, it doesn't matter if the product, you know, the, the product that you end up with, maybe it, it hasn't worked or, you know, whatever. Justifying those changes, I think, looks at, you know, it, it's not describing it as as you failed or you haven't you haven't made what you said you would make. You you're justifying why it's different to what it is you designed, and I think that's a little bit of that is about failing well. It's it's not saying that you know what I I fucked this. I haven't done it. It's about I realized mm. I couldn't do that, and um, this is what I've changed it to. Or I thought I didn't know how to do that. And as I went through, I learned how to do it. So I changed it because I, I thought this would make it better. So I think whilst it doesn't say have a strand in identify how you've failed or, you know, reach for the stars and expect to only get to the ceiling. It doesn't say that it, I think that's the key in that word justifying yeah. the change. I suppose as well, if you think about it, like, if you look at C3, creates a product that functions as intended. Yes, there's a knock-on effect if you don't have a product that functions as intended. You can't really test something that doesn't work in certain ways. But yeah. it's still only one sixteenth of the process if you fail. If so, if you if you set yourself up and be really super ambitious and you fail completely, you haven't really screwed yourself over too much. No. So there's yeah, it's I think that's about building a good culture in your class though of of being willing to try things and finding a balance between holding kids back and making them be realistic and also fueling creativity and it also it, it fits in like that's where your atls come in about learning to fail well like it mm. doesn't need to be in the written into a, a subject's criteria because it's something that's it's happening across all subject areas they don't just need to learn how to 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 fail in design they need to learn how to, you know, experience failure and disappointment, and how you learn from that in all subjects. It's yeah, it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing than just your subject. It's a, it's a cultural thing, a school cultural thing. But that said, so, we we we're in a good position to encourage that failure as well, aren't we? And trying new things. Good provocative Ooh. statement, Brian. Thank you. Join us again for the Learning Factory podcast, uh, where we'll be talking about our units and some of the. Some of the best units we've done, some of the worst units we've done, and just some of the ideas that are still bouncing around inside our heads that may never see the light of day or probably shouldn't see the light of day. Yeah, and some of those things that make a good unit. What what makes a good unit from the ones we've taught? We're not going to come up with new ideas. No, we don't do new ideas. We steal other people's ideas. That's what we do. But yeah, we co- we'll share some of that that's with right. you, and uh, we'll, we'll see if anybody suggests some, if we've got something in the comments. 
if you've got a really good unit or a really bad unit share it with us and we can have it we can pick it apart and see if it matches any of the good or bad things we mentioned that's it from us um see you next time happy days catch you later you have been listening to the learning factory thank you for your attention end of recording